0: road to the place where I belong. West Virginia, Mountain Mama. Take me home. Take me home. Hey guys, welcome back to the Lazy Brain Podcast. It is February 23rd, 2019 at 7.35pm as I record. I hope that you're having a great, great day afternoon, morning, noon, or night. And uh, let's just jump right into it, shall we? I'm Philip DeFranco. I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast this morning and I found that his, I think it's his most recent guest, Johan Harari, I believe his name is, they had a very interesting conversation and the first thing that caught my attention was what Johan said about british culture and american culture
1: what does it work in reverse like in in england what is the reaction to american accents is it it's mostly discussed right <laughs> <laughs> i don't know there's a mixture americans we grow i always think like the relationship of britain and america is like um, one of those police mirrors because we grow up constantly looking at the united states right we're constantly staring through we are immersed in american culture right but when Americans look back at us, they're just seeing like a reflection of themselves. I mean, Americans watch Downton Abbey and know about, like, the Queen or whatever. But right. but there isn't that two-way dialogue that there is. That, that the, the, you know, that, yeah, so it's a slightly weird... So I think we feel very American, right? And I, I spend half the year here. And, I you know, every now and then you come up against these deep cultural differences that you're just like... Oh, fuck, okay, right. This is really not my culture, right? And it's a, those moments of disorientation are, are really strange. Like- I
0: found it very interesting the way that Johan described America, almost as if there's this two way mirror. In Britain, they see American culture all the time, whereas Americans don't really see British culture or really any other culture at all. Um, you really have to do a lot of work to see other cultures whereas I feel like in other like in Britain for instance like he said you see a lot of American things all the time the Kardashians blah 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 so I find it very interesting the way he described that the only time I've ever learned anything about British culture was watching YouTube videos of people trying British snacks or British people trying American snacks British people eating American candy is the funniest thing to me, because it's really intriguing to me to see the cultural differences. Like, for example, this isn't candy, but Kool-Aid. Here in America, or at least in my neck of the woods, when people make Kool-Aid, they put it into a pitcher, a very large pitcher of water, they add sugar to it, and they sweeten it. Whereas... In Britain, they have no idea that's what you're supposed to do. They just know about Kool-Aid. So they get a a packet of Kool-Aid. They put the whole packet into one glass of water. And they put no sugar in it. And they just sip it like that. And they just find it horrible. It's disgusting. But of course it is. But they have no idea of that. So I find that hilarious that... I don't know. Cultural differences. They're really funny to me. And I hate that Americans don't really learn about theirs too much. I think it would benefit everybody to look into a little bit of everything. So the next thing that I found interesting from this little bit talking about American culture was the fact that, according to Johan, Americans tend to narrativize, I hope that's a word, their lives. Listen to this clip.
1: Give me one for an example. Well, there's a question that Americans ask all the time that I have literally never heard a European ask, <laughs> right? It's the question, what's your story? Right? Oh, Every American, you can go to the most crusty right-wing person coming out of Mar-a-Lago or a kid in West Baltimore, and you can say, what's your story? And they'll have an answer. The only context I can imagine a British person saying, what's your story, would be in a police interrogation. It would oh. be an extremely hostile question. What's your story, right? It would be... You just wouldn't ever say it right. We don't, Americans narrativize their lives in a way I absolutely love. And as a journalist who writes books about like depression and addiction, and you want people to talk about their lives, it's an unbelievable gift to you, right? Mm. That people will tell you. So, I remember once being on a bus in Mississippi and sitting next to a woman, and within five minutes of chatting to her, she told me about like her two miscarriages, how her mother hated her. And I thought, if we were Swiss, where my dad's from you wouldn't tell me this until we got married and maybe not even then right? right so there's a level of candor and storytelling among Americans it's one of the best things about this 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 you know fucked up and amazing place right <laughs> that i just love and it's there's something about there's a there's a kind of uh, narrative openness that's very different about this place than europe anywhere in europe
0: i think that is very very true and i didn't even notice that that was a, a uniquely american thing the fact that even myself, I tend to be able to have my story ready I almost live myself, live my life as if I'm in a movie And I'm in different acts and chapters throughout Even Joe Rogan, the person that's talking to Johan in this interview He's even had his own version of Be the hero of your own life
1: Be the hero of your own movie If your life was a movie And it started now Forget about whatever financial disasters you've had, personal failures, relationship failures. What would the hero of your life's movie do right now? Do that, do those things. We define ourselves far too often by our past failures. We look at our past and we say, well, that's me that's not you you are this person right now you're the person who's learned from those failures and you can choose to be the hero of your own movie right now write down your goals write down things you want to improve write down things you won't tolerate from yourself write down things that you've done in the past that you never want to see yourself do again and go forth from here as the hero of your own movie
0: all right, so you hear that and you think, "Oh my god, yes, that's the American way. Just be the hero, achieve your dreams, go out there, go on the journey, go on the hero's journey, be the person that you want to be, be the guy, do the thing, right?" But in Britain, I've come to found out I've come to find out that is very different. I watched a video by now you see me that described at least in comedy, the way the British person views themselves.
1: American comic hero like John Belushi or someone like that. You know that scene in uh, Animal House where there's a, there's a fellow playing folk music on a guitar and John Belushi picks up the guitar and destroys it. And the cinema because he just smashes it and then waggles his eyebrows at the camera. Everyone says, God, he's so great. Well, a British comedian would want to play the folk singer (laughs) We want to play the failure
0: My understanding from viewing through this two-way mirror of cultures, it seems like British people need to be very orderly, pragmatic, polite people, and it's almost to a hilarious extent. In that same interview, which by the way, all this stuff has been in the first nine minutes But in the same interview with um, Johannes, he mentions a story of riots that go to a very funny place in Britain.
1: During the riots we had in 2011 uh, in London. Um, there was one place I forget where it is where they broke into a luxury goods store and they could only make uh, it was a very strong window, so they could only make a hole in the corner of the window and it was caught on the security cameras that the rioters formed a line to go in and loot the store right that's how deep the idea of like queuing and making a line is in British culture even in a riot we're like oh no, I think you were you were before me right there and <laughs> and, and so I've got a Chilean <laughs> friend Isabel Banquet who lives in who lives in London and she like I remember her phoning me after to she read that be like you're fucking English you don't know how
0: so far this interview has been very interesting and uh, hearing a lot of the ideas about British and American culture was fascinating, but the main portion of this interview or this podcast with Joe Rogan was the idea of addiction. Apparently Johannes wrote a book about addiction and talked about a lot of the findings that he had. And one of the things that I found very, very interesting was the idea of these two experiments that were done on mice.
1: How could it be you've got someone in a hospital bed who's taking loads of really potent heroin? They don't become addicted. And in the alleyway outside, you've got someone who's using actually a weaker form of the drug who becomes addicted. How, How can that be? What's happening here? And I only began to understand it. When I, when I went to Vancouver, and met this amazing man called Professor Bruce Alexander, who did an experiment that's really transformed how we think about addiction all over the world. It's at a new way of thinking and loads of new evidence. So Professor Alexander explained to me, this story that we've been told, right, that addiction is caused by the chemical hooks, primarily, comes from a series of experiments that were done earlier in the 20th century. They're really simple experiments. Your viewers can try them at home if they're feeling a little bit shitty today, right? You take a rat, you put it in a cage, and you give it two water bottles. One is just water, and the other is water laced with either heroin or cocaine. You might remember in the 1980s, there's a famous Partnership for Drug-Free America ad that's, that shows this experiment, mm-hmm. right? And the rat in this cage starts to drink the, it pref- always prefers the heroin water, and almost always kills itself within a week or two, right? So there you go, that's that's our story. The, you, you're exposed to the drug, it takes you over, uh, and then you just die, right? But in the 70s, Professor Alexander comes along and says he was working with people with addiction problems. And he's like, well, hang on a minute. We put these rats alone in an empty cage. They've got nothing that makes life meaningful for rats, right? What would happen if we did this differently? So he built a cage that he called Rat Park, which is basically like heaven for rats, right? They got loads of friends, they got loads of cheese, they got loads of colored balls, they can have loads of sex. Anything a rat finds meaningful in life is there in Rat Park. And they've got both the water bottles, the normal water and the drug water, and of course they try both. They don't know what's in them. This is the fascinating thing. In Rat Park, they don't like the water very much. None of them ever use it compulsively. The heroin water. Yeah, the heroin water. None of them ever use it compulsively. None of them ever overdose. So you go from almost 100% compulsive use and death by overdose when their lives are shitty to none when they have the things that make life meaningful and there's loads of human examples I'm sure we'll, we'll we'll talk about but the the main thing I took from this is that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, the opposite of addiction is connection.
0: That word specifically really caught my attention, connection. And he goes on to explain about all these different examples of people who are really destitute And addicted to opioids and heroin and all these different terrible drugs. And how when they were legalized and decriminalized in certain countries like Switzerland, people were able to get their lives back together. The bit on Switzerland is very fascinating and I implore you to go listen to the Joe Rogan episode. It's episode 1250 and they have a fascinating conversation about addiction and how maybe we should rethink how we treat people with addiction, but what I focused on more so was how can people in certain conditions become addicted whereas others don't, and his distinction was connection, and I immediately thought to the rappers and musicians and artists that tend to overdose on these drugs like heroin and cocaine and ecstasy and molly, whatever it is, right, and that's why I latched onto that word, connection. When I listen to lyrics by, let's say, Post Malone or 21 Savage, there is, first of all, one example with Post Malone. He has one song called Rockstar, and he says, I've been effing hoes poppin' Pilly's man feeling just like a rockstar, and I totally butchered that. But basically, the first half of that is that he's immersed in this culture of constant instant gratification. And he's never told no, he's never denied these things. And it's almost encouraged to be a part of all this debauchery, right? And he has another song that he did with 21 Savage called All My Friends, where he expands on his life as this famous person. And he talks about Losing all his friends while gaining the fame As he became famous, and the same with 21 Savage These people became more and more lonely and detached from the people that they had spent a lot of their time with when they weren't rich and famous And if you add the lack of connection and the deep deep loneliness that comes with that Along with this culture of drug use There's no doubt, there's no surprise that people like this tend to overdose on these drugs. I think another thing that plays into role is they are artists, they are creative people, and creative people to me seem to have this idealized version of the world that they keep in their head, and they don't want to let that go, and once that idealization goes away... They get really depressed over that and that's something that I try to deal with a lot is I am constantly trying to reform my paradigm of how the world works so that way I'm still being realistic but I'm not disappointed so much and I think that's a very important thing to do. I think this idea of connection or lack thereof in our culture is exacerbated by all the social media use. The fact that that culture of the debauchery and the craziness is only more so becoming increasingly, increasingly mimicked and emulated and strived for, right? Only for people to realize that it's very lonely. And people are already very lonely. They're lacking connection. I'm in generation, I believe, X or y or z i can't i don't don't think i'm generation x i think it's millennials i think i'm generation y i'm like right on the end i'm a middle child if you will j cole had a song called middle child where he talks about that same thing to where he's younger than the people he looked up to but he's older than the people already starting to start their lives so he's in this middle ground but people my age 22 or younger seem to be increasingly more detached from people and they like that connection and then on social media they see this version of life that is very heightened and instant gratified and glorifies drug use as an escape or just glorifies escapism less the drug use more the escapism because I believe that people can use drugs to enhance their life whether that's with CBD oil, if you want to call it that, or coffee. Coffee is a drug that helps a lot of people in the morning. Um, nicotine, you know, if you're not taking it with the cigarette, I think if you just have, maybe you're chewing nicotine gum or something like that, that can help. But when we use it as a means of escape because we're not happy with our lives, that's when this turmoil comes into play. And that's when those grips, those hooks, if you will, like Johan said, can attach in deeper when you don't have that connection. And uh, I think that was just very well put, and uh, that's why I wanted to talk about it this episode. Um, It was really fascinating. They also talk about um, Billie Holiday and the actress that played Dorothy in Wizard of Oz. Both of them were on heroin, and uh, the way they were treated with their addiction in society was very different at the time it was really funny to me to see that but anyway that's this episode Uh, it's kind of short but um I put a lot of thought into it it was really interesting and uh, I hope you had a good time listening hope you have a great rest of your week and uh yeah that's lazy brain